You're listening to the Podcast Detroit Network. Visit www.podcastdetroit.com for more information. Hello, friends. Welcome to episode eight of Storyteller Conclave. This is a show all about helping you run the very best tabletop role-playing game that you can. Whether you're a new storyteller or dungeon master learning the craft, or you're an experienced storyteller looking to take your game to the next level, I am Sarah. And I'm Rob. Uh, We've got a few news updates uh, again, and nothing exciting, but uh, our Patreon is live, so you can easily show your support, and people have, and we love them. We love our supporters. You guys are fantastic. Uh, please, if you guys have ideas of what we can do uh, for Patreon, let us know. I mean, literally, just send us some ideas, please. Also, uh, we know that the site, uh, Podcast Detroit, uh, does have a listen live issue. If you are listening live, you are using the app and you're doing it right. Uh, we did get another update from the engineering staff here. And apparently, uh, we boggled their minds with mm-hmm. what the problem is. So hopefully... They're going to take care of that real soon, like, hopefully. <laughs> the, the, the people who set up the streaming service yeah. have no idea what is broken and are uh, – they're like, oh, that should have fixed it. Nope. 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 So – And it's not just affecting us. It's affecting everybody. I mean, what, what I want to – did they try turning it off and back on again? <laughs> I'm going to turn it on and walk away. Right. Just walk away. (laughs) Unplug it and plug it back in. That's right. All right. So, uh, yeah, out of nowhere, we decided we were going to do a show about creating dynamic characters. Didn't we already go over this? Uh, I mean, when you're you're creating dynamic PCs, uh, basically all of the rules for creating dynamic NPCs kind of apply. So episode three? So episode three, yeah. uh, We already kind of did an episode on this. So I'm tired. Do you want to wrap this? Yeah, uh, right, so just go, go listen to episode three, uh, mm. and uh, you'll get all this information. We'd like to uh, thank our supporters from uh, Patreon and uh, get them uh, recognized. We, we'd like to thank our uh, music from Gooey Frog, and uh, we can uh, Wait, always... Rob, Rob. What? Rob. All right. Buddy. All right, all right. We'll, we'll do this. We, we'll, we, we'll do this. We got to do an episode. Okay, all right. We can't just dump it on them like that. Where do you want to start? Well, at the beginning. You mean like character generation <laughs> beginning or like before that? No, seriously. Uh, I you mean, need paper and pencils and sometimes dice. I mean, maybe maybe actually a little bit before that. Um, okay. Because I think when you're creating PCs at uh, you know for, for a game, uh, you know you always have to start in that kind of conceptual phase. You know what type of story that you want to you want to tell. You've got your players. We God, talked I about like in, a, in a previous uh, in a previous episode. Yeah, but um, if you've listened to our previous episodes, you've gotten this far, and you know what you're <laughs> fucking doing. You've gotten this far, but now your players need characters to play in your game. Right. So, uh, I think you know probably the first place to start is having a a, a conversation with your players, okay. and really the whole character creation process. For the, the underlying rule, I think, to, to everything that we are about to talk about is that the character creation process needs to be a collaboration between the players 
and the storytelling. I can agree with that. I think that um, – I mean let's let's be really even more simple than that. It's about communication. Absolutely. I think every game that I've ever played, it's only gotten better when there's better communication between the storyteller and the players. Like whether it's emailing constantly, whether it's you know having the new stuff using a Discord channel to kind of throw ideas back and forth and, yeah. and get those things going, get concepts and pictures and, and ideas and sometimes tropes even around like just to get an idea of the setting and everything. I think that gets everybody's juices flowing. So communication, collaboration, key. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. And the uh, – so I, I think that the first step in character creation before you even get to characters is discussing what the ground rules for making those characters is. Right. Like, okay. All right. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stump you. All okay. Right? How do you feel about pregens? I, I know I've set that against you in one of my games. How did, how did that make you feel? Do you think it was worth it? Uh, so my whole attitude towards pregen characters is much like a five-year-old being told to take their medicine. Okay. I'm going to kick. I'm going to scream. I'm going to say it's yucky, and then I'm going to take it, and then I'm going to feel real good after, real, real good about it afterwards. Fair, fair. <laughs> so okay, because I already know my in my mind the pros and cons. What do you think the pros and cons are uh, in regards to this? Let's just be narrow as we can so we can move sure. on. So the, the pros definitely of this, the storyteller creating the, the characters and handing them out uh, to everybody in their group gives you the ability to create characters that you know will fit well within your story. Right. Uh, and especially if there are certain archetypes that you want played out, mm-hmm. um, that you can, you can easily do that. Right. Um, the obvious downside is though – is that it uh, does put some limits on the imagination of your players from a standpoint of maybe they had an idea of what a character should be and you just handed them something else. Maybe there was a certain class or a certain ability they were looking to explore and now they've got different strictures on their uh, on their character expression. I agree with that. I think for, it was for easy instance. for like my 7th C game. Yeah, I yeah. didn't give you full characters. Mm-hmm. Because I didn't flush out everything. I didn't flush out the backgrounds as much. I didn't give and spend all the points. I gave you guys points to spend as well. I just gave you a good basic outline of what your character knows going into this. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And and, and it's it's worthwhile to keep in mind that um, a pre-gen character is just a starting point. Right. Where even if you hadn't given me those points, like you, you, you what is it? Like sixty percent of the character was done, and then you basically left yeah. the last thirty, forty percent off, and said, you know, fill in some blanks where you want them right, right. to kind of customize your character. But the but the core of that character is done for right. you. Um, so I mean that that's one way you can take it. Um, even if you are handing out full characters, though, it's it's a starting point, right? And I think that kind of lends to, a, a, I guess, like a sub level of that, which is where you say. Only like I, I I need this to be a certain way. Like your game that you're running for me, mm-hmm. um, where you're saying you need to either be part of the Fighters Guild or part of the Mages Guild. That's it. That that yep. that's that's where I'm framing. It's as lightly as I'm framing. Don't it. care and it who worked you out are. Fantastic. Don't care how you got there. But yep, in yep. four fifteen of the third era, you will be a member of the Fighters Guild. Yep. or a member of the Mages Guild. Yeah. Period. And that's I mean the same thing can kind of be said for like any other games where it's like, hey, you're all musketeers. Mm-hmm. Whether you just started, whether you've been doing it for forty years, sure. or whether you're somewhere in between, you know, like maybe you're laid off a little bit, but you're still working you're still a musketeer. Yep. Like that's how you guys are all connected. Yep, absolutely. Um I guess that then opens the, the you have the kick down the door of anything. <laughs> which Well, 
there, there's one there's one more level of restriction oh, that's between true. that, between suppose, that. And, yeah. and that is you can create anything but we're going to put some restrictions on the sources you can use to do so yeah like uh, only player's handbook only player's handbook or only official supplements like no you know the, uh, D&D has a, a like an open source sort of thing called Unearth Arcana which is all basically right. playtest material all the rata and um, stuff like that yeah and you know there, there's, there, there's still several iterations of that sort of stuff coming out and a lot mm-hmm. of storytellers would be uncomfortable with using that sort of thing so typically and, I think and you can people, also use that for like blocking off the broken crap that happens. We yeah, know absolutely. about that. And and I think I think most people who run just kind of casual D&D games use either either the, the the one we were just talking about where you have to have certain things in your backstory to fit into the campaign right. or this one where it's just like look I don't care whatever you guys are going to be a generic adventuring group but I don't want, you know, any phoenix knights from the, you know, unofficial supplement that came out. What, you don't want you to play as a, a as a humanoid T-Rex with an intelligence of 18? I mean, I, come on. I am three kobolds in a trench coat. <laughs> Honestly, a great idea. Um, but then you've got the sky's the limit, which, you know, where it's you can do anything. And I think you've got to know the system. As a story. You can't do that as a new storyteller. Oh, sure, sure, sure. Because you're not going to know what's, you know, what's good and what's or not. Or what's broken and what's not. Yeah. So and and honestly, for my my advice for for new storytellers on this would be to put more restrictions, not less restrictions. I agree because shit can get out of hand real don't, yeah, quick. Don't be afraid to say no. Oh, yeah. don't be afraid to say no. But you can also do the yes and mm-hmm. that works just as well. Yes and, but you're crippled. You know, you can't do these things. Right, and like like we said, it has to be a collaboration mm-hmm. between the player and the storyteller. Have that discussion, okay? What mm-hmm. are your thoughts? What are you What are you thinking about creating for this game? And how can I, as a storyteller, help you create what you want? Yeah, you want your character to be Paul Muad'Dib from yes. from from Dune. <laughs> All right, how do we do that in Seventh C? Exactly, exactly. All right. Now, I know we put in here in the show notes, we kind of said the character questions. I th- I think we kind of – I will say we covered this in three. And there are literally so many resources out there for asking character questions like who was your dad? Where did you grow up? Who was your you know, daddy? Things like that. Do? Exactly. So I, I think go kitbash your own questions or pull them right out of the book. But it's it's a way to help flush. But I think – Moving on from this to some of the stuff we're talking about, I think is really going to help bring us back to that, where that's going to be kind of the finishing move. Mm-hmm. But like you had brought up that people are people. PCs are people. Yeah. Right. So they're going to be flawed. They're mm-hmm. going to be quirky. They're going to be confused. They're going to be driven or passionate about something. You know, what quirks can they have? Who do they, uh, you know, ultimately hate? I think like – uh D and D's ranger class for the longest time had you had a hated race, and that's still kind of a oh, thing. That's, that's still around, yeah. Right. So, like, I don't think that's so much a quirk as a benefit, but I think it can be a quirk if you help it. Yeah, I, I mean, I think in early editions it was it was hated race. I think now it's just like preferred race. Right. Where it's right. Just, it's like I, look, I don't have anything against you know kobolds. I just happen to know a lot about them because right. I grew up around them. And exactly, it know. doesn't mean you're going to hunt them down, but you are quite good at it if you had to. Right. Right. I've been so. hunting kobolds since I was this you know this, yeah yeah this yeah. Tall, yeah. So. I'm I'm an elf, but I grew up with halflings. They're really awesome people. I know everything about them. You sure. Know? So, uh, but I think like quirks themselves are fun, oh, and are. I think they can be really neat stuff that doesn't have anything necessarily to do with gameplay directly. 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, but I – and we had talked about a whole bunch of these things. Like I liked how you thought of superstitions. Mm-hmm. I think superstitions is a great quirk. I think that you know, I, you know, before crossing a river, doing a prayer. I thought that was really cool. I saw that in your notes. I was like, I actually really like that one. Or like sleeping with a teddy bear. Yeah, is is a perfect one because it it's not helps. Superstition, but it's but it's a it's a it's a sentimentality. Exactly, you know? it's, it's an emotional bond. Yeah, and one of the things that came up recently because we were talking with one of our with actually Mad Elf about uh, Mouse Guard. Mm-hmm. And in Mouse Guard, they have kind of a quirk, but not. But I think it fits a little bit in here. I wish I could remember what it was called. Yeah, I know he's going to yell at us he eventually. Is. But um, you know, so bring it up, Matt or Matt Elf. It's a good idea. Um, and that is is like what your character is known to do. Like what's their what's like a, a trip that they have. And like the one thing that they listed in the book was, I always draw my sword at danger at the sign of danger. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, okay. That seems pretty straightforward. Like you know what to expect. Like oh my god, something jumped up, just jumped out of the woods, and it's growling. Shink swords out. Mm-hmm. Like without question, whether or not it's a good idea or a bad idea, you just did it. Yep. You know, or like I always protect the innocent. Now that's a little ambiguous, but at the same time, like you've got to make a snap, snap decision on who's innocent in the situation. Yep. And then that drives you. Yep. But I think just like the other pieces, it helps define who you are. And what your what your first instinctive action is going to be in those things, but because you're making that statement, and it is a statement, like you said, mm-hmm. it's a very clearly a statement. You're saying this is something that is my character, and in those situations, this is how I react. But it also says that that's a situation that you're focusing on. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, you know, like I will protect all books. Like okay, all books okay. are sacred. Well, and, and and the great thing the great thing about statements like that is that first off they they define a set of action. Mm-hmm. So you know obviously if if books are in danger, well now you are prone to put yourself into that situation. Exactly. Whether whether that's a wise idea or not, mm-hmm. it is now a situation you feel your character feels they need to interject themselves into. Right. But second off, things like this are great jumping off points for writing other parts of your history. Oh, totally. Why? What has your character got with books? My father was a librarian. Okay, oh, tell me about no. your father. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. I love that. Lean in. Tell me about your father. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> so um, I, I think that the, 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 three, the three main things I would suggest every PC come up with right. is a quirk, a flaw, and a, uh, an attachment of some sort. Now, you're not talking flaws in the sense of like a mechanical flaw. Like I'm, no. I am like I, – I am instantly harmed by cold iron. You no, know? no, 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 no. And I'm, yeah, and, that, and that's, that's the thing is, is I'm thinking more personality flaws. Okay. I don't drink tea. Like <laughs> personally. Yeah. This oh, is Sar- okay. Sarah speaking here. Okay. I'm a bit of a control freak. I will s- – Quietly agree with that. You will quite, quietly I, agree. With I that. will quietly agree and, with that. <laughs> and, and don't, don't get look. You're not going to tell me anything I haven't already told my therapist on That's this true. one. So, that is true. That is um, true. But I'm a bit of a control freak, and it agitates me when I'm when I feel out of control of a situation. Mm-hmm. Um, it, but that's that's a character flaw of mine. Yeah. That is something I have to work through, and it's something where if if it does come up, it's it's not like a. Like if I had to quantify myself as a player character, like I don't know that that's anything that would have a game aspect to right, it necessarily, right. but it would certainly be something that guided my role play. So let's let's you know? talk about it in the sense of a character. Like one of the things that I liked about that we both agreed on, they're two different systems, mm-hmm. but they have a very similar flaw in them. Seven uh, C calls it a hubris. Uh, Vampire calls them disadvantages. 
No. Uh, no, no. I, I think you're thinking of fate. Fate. Uh, where, fate has aspects. Aspects. And in, in Seven C, it's, it's uh, star-crossed. Basically, that person always falls in love. Oh, oh, okay. And sometimes for the wrong yeah. person. So as a flaw... Yeah, that one was vampire. That's true love. And true it's love, it's actually yeah. listed as a merit, not yeah. a flaw. I think that's a flaw. Right. But that's that situation that you were talking about of fate, and it was funny. We were sitting at dinner, and Sarah grabs this pad of butter, like the little like uh, cups of butter, and she's got her figure out. She slides it over to me, and she goes... You know, as your character, there's a hot chick in the room. You can you gonna take that? You gonna take that? Because because if you take it, you get this little bonus. Mm-hmm. And that's basically how Seven C does it. Is that it gives you a drama die, and you can use that drama die in yep. any role and things like that. And that's how Fate does it with Fate yeah. points. You... But if you don't take the pad of butter, you got to spend something to avoid to that avoid not to a compulsion on that. And sometimes it's hard for people to say, okay, well, I. I, I kind of understand that. And I think we were talking about as a social aspect and just as a cultural thing. Mm-hmm. Um, geeks have a pretension for hearing meme-like things and running with them. And we have to sometimes <laughs> stop that compulsion in bad situations. Case in point, I think all of us, even Kate in this room, can remember a moment in time when we were sitting there having a conversation and somebody, I don't know, maybe said something that had to do with wood Okay, yep, so there it is. and that's it's usually that, me. That, that, <laughs> and, and what it is 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 that's our natural compulsion for the seventeen-year-old part of our brain to kick out and start laughing or make a joke about it. I'm five. I'll admit it. That's fine. That's fine. <laughs> exactly. But Except, the whole thing is, is, and that's the and that's exactly the reaction we usually have yeah. is ha ha ha. My my inner seventeen-year-old took over. You right. Know? So you took the little chit, and now you have that. But the compulsion hit you. It <laughs> happened. Chit. <laughs> See exactly. <laughs> Exactly. But there are times when it is solely inappropriate. Like the executive of your company said, you know, we are going to sell as much hard wood as we possibly can. You will sell the most wood. <laughs> and you have to sit there and go, yes, sir. <laughs> yes, sir. And that's that's when you're fighting it. And that's a flaw. That is that is something we all recognize. And that's an easy way to quantify it mm-hmm. to today's standards, I think. So, yeah, characters have flaws. But but I think it's also important to have like the little flaws. Too. I agree. The little flaws that are that are like quirk level flaws, you know. Sure. Not anything that's going to be necessarily compelled by the storyteller, but mm-hmm. like things that you just kind of roll in. Because and it, there's, there's, a, there's a great line that I love is beer. Because no interesting story ever started with a salad. That sounds like a challenge. Because look, <laughs> all interesting stories take place because somebody messed something up. Okay. Yeah. Conflict. And conflict resolution is the essence of storytelling. And if you don't if, – if nobody messes up, yeah. if nobody crosses a line somewhere along the way, then you're not – you don't have any conflict. Yeah. You don't have any story to yep. tell. Perfect people are boring people. Yep. OK? And there are a multitude of different people out there and, and we're all interacting in different ways and it's – you know who who do you want to play? Do you want to play the character that gets everything right, or do you want to get the par- character who has to struggle a little bit, right? Who has to earn their victories? Who has a character arc that takes them through maybe resolving past trauma, or mm-hmm. uh, avenging a slain relative, or something like that, or right. some you know that 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 admittedly they may not be dealing with too well, right? You know, I mean, grief grief is a powerful is a powerful thing and, and common. 
in, in storytelling. In common, yeah. And people don't make the wisest decisions when they're depressed. Maybe your character has a substance abuse problem. I, I played a uh, a fighter in one of Bone Rob's thunder. Yeah, <laughs> played a, played a fighter in one of Rob's uh, previous games uh, who was a uh, an ex gladiator uh, who had gotten kicked out of the gladiatorial arenas uh, because they were juicing. Yeah. With with magic potions, and they got caught doing it. And you didn't care what the potion was; you I didn't got, just care. downed it. And so, what I was doing during gameplay was, I, I yeah, I would I would first off spend all of my extra gold on potions, mm-hmm. like that's just where it went. Yeah. Uh, and so, anytime that character needed any extra cash, they were always broke. Mm-hmm. They had a healthy stack of potions. Mm-hmm. I didn't care what those potions were. You no. have five bull strength. Fine, I am buying them. Yeah. Oh, I only have enough money for four. I'll take them. Yep, exactly. Um, and then during gameplay, I was just rolling a die. Like whatever die was closest to the number I currently had and I would pick a random potion and I would drink it anytime we got into combat because yep. that's the only way that character knew how to fight was juiced up on magic spells. Right. And uh, attitude changed instantly mm-hmm. whenever like another character buffed them with another spell or something, you know. Yep. But it, it's these these sort of flaws that that I'm talking about. And they paint they start painting that picture. Like mm-hmm. if you don't know where to start, that's not a bad place to start. Sure. Cuz then that can get you back to the 20 questions cuz you may not be prepared for the 20 right. questions or you may look at the 20 questions and then do these quirks and be like, "You know what? I'm I, I need to redo those." And I think that's where backgrounds and histories come in cuz you can start like you said as, you know, in here as simply as like I joined the militia, got drunk one night and X. Mm-hmm. You know, and that tells enough about a character right there. But you could also write a 26-page in-depth world analysis of your character that starts from your great-grandma you know, and, and puts who you are in the world. But I don't think that necessarily gives you any more or less detail about the you – know, than, than a, a short narrative about how you're a PI and you have a dirty old you know, uh, office on the second floor with barely any light in the – the cargo trains come by and you have to pull your bed down from the wall and drink your fifth of scotch that's the old the cheapest that you can get you know that tells a lot about character de- uh, envelopment but it doesn't tell anything about your backstory Didn't and that's you where... used to be Eddie Valiant uh, there I heard you go you change your name to Jack Daniels exactly exactly <laughs> it's moments like that that you can think about but then you really have to think about like how did he get there Mm-hmm. And you quickly figure out his brother was also a cop and sure. got killed by a tune, you know, and that's what simple things like he dropped a piano on him from 40 stories up. Well, that's a hell of a way to go. Uh-huh. It really is, you know, and it changes a man. It does change a man. It makes him very flat. Um, so <laughs> <laughs> I can't even with you. I know. I know. Podcast over. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so. Don't start the music. Don't, we're doing no, fine. No, we're, we're good. I know we're you good. were close. You were, we're close. Good. She was looking at it. Uh, so <laughs> I would say for histories, challenge yourself because sometimes maybe you do short histories. Like maybe you're just a quick person who doesn't mm-hmm. do it. Like throw something else in there. At the same time, challenge the storyteller a little bit but always work with them. Yeah. Don't get so in-depth in your story that when you hand it over to the storyteller, they're like, uh, this doesn't fit at all in the world. But right. as a storyteller, also look at that and say, hey – can we change the name of this town to this? And you say that you were part of this thieves guild. Can we actually make that just like something a little lighter than that? Maybe it was just you and a bunch of scoundrels who called yourselves a thieves guild. You know, right, you, right. you weren't sanctioned in any way. Yeah. Absolutely. And and there you go. It's a yes and, and kind of moment. And this nameless villain. No, he has a name. He has a name. what his name is. Here's his name. <laughs> you know. I, oh, yeah. You know his name, by the way. And you, it's pretty awesome. You know his name. Yes. All right. Before we get too deep in this, I know you. this was important to you. 
and that was is that archetypes yep. or archetypes I should say and classes or clans or you know when you're talking vampire or um or even uh, societies. Yeah, nationalities in yeah. Uh, in, in Seventh C. You know, I oh, think yeah. every every game has uh, so even if they're classless, levelless, you know, systems mm-hmm. have some sort of categorization for your for your for your characters. So all, all wizards wear robes and have pointy hats. And exactly. Stats. We're going to call these. We're going to call these classes just for the for the for, for the shorthand yeah. of it. We re- we mean all of these blanket archetype terms. Yeah. Okay. Framing. Now I want you all to hear me very very clearly. And I want you to just take a moment to ruminate on these words. Okay. Classes are not inescapable prisons. Period. Okay. I agree with that. A a class is a stereotype. Yes. They will give you a descriptor of what a common representation of that class is. Okay. Mm-hmm. So we'll we'll take wizard. Sure. Okay. Wizards wear robes. Mm-hmm. They hang out in libraries all day. Most of them have familiars. They only use staves. They wear big pointy hats. Mm-hmm. They have big long beards. They're frail. They're frail. Exactly. Okay. These things are maybe commonalities. Stereotypes. Maybe stereotypes. Okay. You might, you know, draw some draw some lines through 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 the demographic mm-hmm. and say that that's how they kind of turn out. Um, but they're not inescapable prisons. So, my advice to storytellers helping uh, uh, create, you know, helping your PCs create their characters. My advice to any players who are listening to this: look at what you can do to challenge the stereotype that your class puts out there mm-hmm. for you. Okay, it's way more fun. So, for instance, you know, try making an athletic wizard. Okay. Try making a clumsy rogue. I like a clumsy, lucky rogue. Uh-huh. I think that was pretty awesome. Uh, try making a scholarly barbarian. You know— Don't use Int as your dump stat. They're not all dumb. My wife in a LARP played a barbarian who was learning to be a lady. Uh-huh. And it worked so beautifully. It worked yeah. so—it was hard. It was challenging as hell in the system because it was stacked against her the whole way. But it was neat the way she worked it all out. Yeah, absolutely. You know, by the end of it, she she was courtly. She had she wore a hoop skirt. You know, it was funny. Uh huh. So, but man, if you piss her off and get her get her get a battle axe in her hand, you can't take her down. <laughs> you can take the girl out of the barbarian, but not the barbarian out of the girl. That's right. So. She'll drop that hoop skirt and kick your ass. Oh right. Um, or your bard with social anxiety. Or bard I love with that. social anxiety. I love that idea. Exactly. I like, love that idea. You may know how to weave magical spells intricately into every note that comes off of your loot. But oh god, I don't want to talk to girls. You ready? Hmm. Trent Reznor. Yeah. I mean, he's an amazing artist. But if you have a conversation with that man, I would say today is a lot different. But like, Vicky met him. No, just, just awkward. Oh, just awkward oh, as hell. oh. Well, I mean, when when you do it all by yourself in a studio. Oh yeah. You know, it's it's different. Oh, I bet. Yeah, I bet. yeah. So not that we know anything about being locked in a small room and not talking to anybody else, but Kate. Um, so so I I, I I I put that out there to to players uh, everywhere, and that is just just try to think of what your character needs to be, and think of what your character could be. Yeah. You know, challenge those stereotypes. Now, yeah. I'm going to say that. Right. And I, I just I, – I got very preachy there. You did. And then I'm going to completely contradict myself. Oh, Lord. Okay. Uh, sometimes it is also fun to lean into the stereotype oh. and increase the thing. I know where you're going with this. Um, 
So I'm going to give a big shout out to one of our past guests on the show, Chris. Chris. Who made probably the best wizard I have ever seen in any game of D&D in all of my years. Stereotypical. So stereotypical. Now he, he took stereotype and he cranked it to eleven. <laughs> what what Memnon was is a he is he he took he took the the wizard and turned him into the most ostentatious grand high magus of arcane might and cosmic power. The, okay, so for those of you who are also Whovians, if you remember the uh what it the robes that the, the, old, the, the old original lords. doctor the the time lords had and you and actually in the tenant years you get to see images of them one or two yeah uh with the giant collars and the ring and all kinds of stuff right, right. that collar that literally came up over their, their heads. heads yeah it was almost like a sh- like like a uh oh god like a hood that'd been starched too much kind of uh more like uh pauldrons that like had the edge so that you almost had defenses. Yeah, you know? yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> but uh, he so. he had that as his robes, and we were like, okay, we we got where this is coming from. We we have a time lord here. This is fantastic. And his character came from a a mageocracy, yes. where the mage you know the mages were the ruling class, and so he had this haughty like I should be ruling over all of you non magical peons oh, yeah. because I learned magic and I studied it and I'm so brilliant. I mean, it well, was he he literally amazing. called the cleric a spell bag. A spell beggar. I right? thought that was brilliant because they had to beg for their spells exactly, from exactly. their god like instead he of evoking them himself. Yeah, yeah. My hermetic magic can call upon lightning, and you have to ask nicely. Uh-huh. <laughs> and if your god decides they don't like you that, that day, day, too bad, too bad. <laughs> um, and then you talk about like uh, like making like not just a bard, but like like a David Bowie, like, making the next David Bowie, like yeah. literally the sexiest. You know, like just dripping off them with sexuality and innuendo and like being able to be close. And like when they walk, they almost slink as they move. And you know, every 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 phrase they speak is a sonnet. Mm-hmm. Every note they pluck is a symphony. Yeah, yeah that exactly. Sort of, you know, that yeah. sort of character. Like, like they don't they don't have to swing a sword. They don't have to. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And so, so you know, don't be afraid to, to lean in oh, stereotypes. Yeah. As much as I say subvert them, sometimes just cranking it up to 11 is so much fun. Yeah, yeah. And just – you could go the opposite too. Make the big dumb fighter. Mm-hmm. Go all the way. Like The biggest, the, the dumbest. dumbest. Like you walk into combat, unless they point the direction to tell you to go murder, you're just kind of standing there like, oh, a puppy. You know? Uh-huh. <laughs> So, yeah, so so be prepared there, but, uh, you know, choose. But exactly. The important thing is that you are the one making the choice yeah. to make the character this way. Not because you feel you have to because it says in a exactly. book that this is what that class is like, but that you say, okay, this is why this character fits that particular archetype in the way that they do. Right, right. I think the last note that we've got in here really is the part that sits on me, and that is the – we need to make sure that no matter what you create as a player and no matter what you're watching is created as a storyteller, they have to be able to work together mm-hmm. at some level, even if it's contentious. But – and I'll, I'll go back to this. It can't be contentious from the start. Before you roll dice, before you sit at the table and utter your first words with that as a character, you don't want to preset that contentiousness because I think you're setting up a, a tropey failure almost at that point of you're trying to create a failure and you don't want that to happen. Yeah, if your character's going to fight, don't set them up to fight from the beginning. Make, yeah. it, make it an in-game reason that, that happens organically. But right. 
and you know and honestly remember to be friends yeah absolutely like uh, don't don't try and drive them be like oh no that's gonna ruin gameplay no, no i assure you there's other things that can, dice will ruin gameplay <laughs> someone role-playing is just gonna make things interesting exactly you know and, and, and yeah like say, the, the, the other component to that is just remember that you are all friends sitting at the table yeah. and that sometimes okay your characters will get into conflicts you know we refer mm-hmm. to your character and my boyfriend's character as rosencrantz and gildenstern yes uh laurel and hardy because yep. they argue and bicker we do constantly it's fantastic uh, his cleric is really strong-willed mm-hmm. and uh my boyfriend's previously aforementioned asshole noble is an asshole noble he's fantastic at it and he's fantastic at it and but the two of them just have this personality conflict yeah straight but, up but the important thing is though is that you're never mad at another player for what happens on graph paper no never you know keep it in game and and Honestly, a good thing to do if a discussion is getting heated, break character. Yeah. For just a second and just go, hey, are we cool? Yeah. To continue this. Hug you, it out, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, like I want I, – I need you to understand this is my character who's pissed with you, mm-hmm. who's pissed with your character. Right. But Sarah is perfectly fine with, with Rob right now. Are we okay to continue? And just get, yeah. get, just get Rob say, oh, yeah, yeah, no, no, no. This is in character. All right, cool. Mm-hmm. And then – and furthermore, you know, exactly. right, and step right, right back, back into in. it. Just That's back fine. into it. Take that if, break. Step back into it. But if you need to, step back. And, and I would say as a storyteller, if you feel things are getting out of hand, pause it. Say, okay, guys, I need to pause. Mm-hmm. Are we still in character? Right. You right. know, because this is going on and sometimes it goes on too long. It sometimes does. you it need does. to break that scene and and literally, you know, have that moment where they walk off angry and then cut that scene and move to the next scene. Yeah. And you can talk about the resolution of that fight later between those players. But either way, you need to keep the story going. You can't just let it sit on that scene. Yeah, that, that's advice actually I could probably take. So. Yeah, yeah. Definitely. All right. Um, Secondly, uh, I, I'm going to back you on this one. Be weary as a storyteller of someone creating a dark and brooding lone wolf. Oof. I think if you're creating that as a player, you need to back up and rethink. I think I think all of us have one of those in our in our in our past. But oh, I oh I definitely did. I don't know oh, if I've ever done did. that because it's not it's not something I do. But okay, let me say this though. Maybe maybe not, not all of us. Yeah, maybe not all of us. Yeah, but a lot a lot. Of people's first characters are the dark and brooding lone wolf because they're sexy. They are. They're 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 kind of that cool like John Wick style character. Like he's the one in pop culture right now that I would no. I would. But I there agree. Are I agree. Hundreds of them. I mean, Logan. Yeah. Exactly. Wolverine. You know yeah. that that one like I don't need anybody. Punisher. Like, yeah. Exactly. And they're just gonna do everything themselves, and the darkness in their heart carries them through to their to, to through their mission, and they I don't say, trust anybody, and they're not gonna talk to anybody. They can't show weakness. It's a very sexy style of yeah, character, okay, okay. but it doesn't fit well in D and D. I don't think it fits well in a lot of systems. I, I should say, yeah, I'm, I, I apologize. I'm using D and D as a shorthand for role playing games. So yeah, yeah. Because um, like agnostic. in Seventh C, I mean, if you look at someone like um, uh, Aramis and Athos, mm-hmm. like the, each of those characters were a little bit of that, but. There was still something to tie them together, and that was the Musketeers. Sure. So I think you you can get away with it, but I think as a role player, you need to acknowledge that that's your backstory. 
I, I think the problem is less with dark and broody mm-hmm. and more with lone wolf. That's I agree with that. And, I and agree. that's that's I think where it really comes down to. And typically your your lone wolves are lone wolves because they are dark and broody. Correct. Correct. And uh it's it's okay to have angst, but make your angst work in a group because this is a group game. This is not D and D for one. Right. Um I like your next comment because I heard about a game that I wanted to be part of that Chris was talking about at one point. He had players who wanted to do an all-dwarf campaign, and all I could think of was an all-dwarf cleric campaign. Oh, my God. It would be epic. Like would be I, I, Like, could you imagine right, well, literally hold, hold just on, the on. theological fights? We, <laughs> we are, we're, we're getting ahead of the point. We're, we're discussing the point without making the point. But the whole thing is is that you can have – it doesn't mean you have to be diverse. Right. It, it, you don't have to have the typical Lord of the Rings complement of one elf, one dwarf, one cl- you know, you know, one cleric, one fighter, like fighter, rogue, mage, cleric, yep. exactly. The, you know, the, the, the holy, the holy trinity, sort of. You yeah. know, elf, f- human, dwarf, half fighter, healer, tank. Yeah. Uh, no, you don't. You don't need that. No. Um, the the group that I would reference actually, uh, Satin Phoenix, uh, who a lot of you in the geek sphere may know. Um, has uh, been about on like a geek and sundry and stuff that she's a big part of uh, yeah, the, the, okay, uh, okay, the LA, yeah. uh, Los Angeles uh, D&D scene out yeah, there. Yeah. Um, we totally a, need a, D, a Detroit D&D scene. We just oh, need to make that happen. We, we do, but it would be great if we had some like A-list celebrities like uh, – There's somebody from Detroit. We just have to find them. We, yeah, we do. We do. We do. Uh, but she has a group called Sirens. Yeah. And they are all bards. Oh wow! And they they are collectively a rock band. Oh, you mean like Gem and the Holograms? Yeah. Oh, that's badass. Yes, they are an adventuring band. Oh man! That are all bards, but okay. they they've all taken like different um different bard colleges mm-hmm. for their uh for their for their things. Okay. And like even in that, they chose different spells so that they do have one that kind of acts as the healer. Mm-hmm. They have one that kind of acts with a lot of like you know evocation style like mm-hmm. lightning bolt spells and stuff. And they they all kind of synergize and and work off of each other, but yeah, they're it's it's a one class, one gender party. Specializations are tight. Yeah, <laughs> exactly, <laughs> exactly. But that, I mean, that's the cool thing is that like even fighters, you get you get into some of the specializations for just fighters alone. Like mm-hmm. a paladin is used to be its own thing, like but it's a fighter. Yeah. What you can have a paladin who is kind of a cleric, you know, and, and that is a true cleric. You could actually have a second paladin who's not, you true. know, who's just a, a murderer <laughs> dude. And especially with like fifth edition D anD D now, uh, it's one of the reasons I love the system so much is mm-hmm. that you have a lot more freedom to do that sort of stuff. You used to have to multi class to get spells as a fighter. Now they just have the 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 eldritch knight. Yeah, like you wanna you wanna sling up close and personal spells that mm-hmm. sometimes channel through your weapon directly. Sure, sure, yeah. Yeah. You want to be a rogue that uses spells like illusion and enchantment spells? Sure, Why we got not? a whole class for that. You know, yep, yep. yeah. I mean, um, it's, it's it's interesting. Like you had talked about in that the game where you had Memnon, we had Ravana, and they were both wizards. Yeah, yeah. But you you put them next to each other, and they're totally different people. They're totally different styles. They're totally yeah. different everything. My my character, my character in the very same game uh, as as Memnon, the Grand High Archmagus. Yes, uh, was uh, was Ravana, mm-hmm. uh, and she was a uh, uh, she she grew up in a in a mining town up in the mountains, mm-hmm. um, 
and she had just a, a talent for the arcane that her mother discovered very early. Yeah. And she, her mother, uh, after the passing of her father, scrimped and saved and basically took her up to the witch on the top of the mountain mm-hmm. and said, um, my daughter likes magic. Can you train her? And that was it. Like yep. she literally learned magic on a mountaintop in a hut. Yeah. Uh, in some podunk, like the pop, population fifteen right. style village, whereas like Memnon was literally a collegiate wi- wizard. He co- went to yeah. the Harvard of right. magic, and then his unfortunate uh, circumstance turned out that he ended up being the the assistant for his like you know uh, uh, what are we gonna, what do they call those when you're uh, uh, like his. Uh, internship Mm -hmm. was for this ridiculous mage who basically used him as an experiment (laughs) most of the time and uh, things happened Mm -hmm. (laughs) so uh so yeah very different worlds yeah they they end up in the same party and he's like well i know so much more than you because i went to the harvard for magic and i have a degree to show for it and ravana would walk up to him and go oh yeah i learned that out on the farm i know what you're doing yeah and he's like how does a farm girl match me in intellect and it was great it's hearth wisdom versus book wisdom exactly. it's still wisdom exactly all right so i think i think we did do we cover everything that we wanted I to kind of we did we're making excellent time actually. we really are we've got good time to go through these questions yeah, and actually some, enjoy it time. Yes, and we, we said we were going to carry these questions over and we did we did um we definitely kept you guys mad elf and technology we have your questions and we are totally going to go over these and we want to uh in next episode no <laughs> No, we're going to go over them now. <laughs> um, so, okay. So, Matt Elf had a question. In the vein of pre-gen characters, what about playing pop culture characters such as Serenity Crew in the Firefly RPG or get any given superhero in a superhero game? Now, when I first looked at this, um, honestly, I I kind of read it differently at first. And then Sarah and I talked about it. Um because my first intention was, yeah, go ahead and play a trope. You know, you're going to play it differently. Um, you know, be if you want to be Mal, be Mal. And then rereading it with Sarah, oh, if I'm going to play the Firefly RPG and the storyteller says, okay, which one of you is Mal? Which one of you is Zoe? Uh, yeah, I, Not I, I would never run that game mm-hmm. because I have a vision of who Mal is. And have an idea of what he would do in a story. And I know what characters I like. And I think if somebody else was playing Kaylee and turned her into some kind of, you know, I, I don't know, like an idiot tart who couldn't actually do mechanical work and or her roles were terrible or as a storyteller, I wasn't properly intelligent enough to say, oh, yeah, she would automatically know all these mechanical things. Mm-hmm. We would get I would see a lot of table fights happening. There's there's a lot of that. Uh, there is definitely um, there's the knowledge factor. Oh like, yeah, you did talk about that. I, I've seen all of Firefly. I've seen Serenity, but admittedly, it's been a while. Right. And I and I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it a lot. But to say that I'm part of the fandom or anything like that is probably a stretch. Yeah. Um, I, I I gave it I gave it its due attention and I and I enjoyed it thoroughly. Yeah. And. Then I moved on. Yeah, like I, I've watched, I've read a decent amount of Punisher, mm-hmm. but I am in no way a Punisher fan. And if somebody, if I ran a superhero game and Punisher was in it, and the person knew every issue of Punisher and knew everything about it, they're literally going to walk all over me. Yeah, 
when it, yeah. as a storyteller and be like, well, no, no, he actually has three hideouts. And in this issue at this time period, he would have had this. And then he was working with these con- – you know, it's like, wait, what? And your player is either going to be disappointed that right. you're not living up to their expectations of the character. Exactly. Or they're going to be angry that you're messing up their character. Correct. And so I, either way, it's either way, it's a bad, it's a bad move. So um, I'm sorry, Mad Elf. I think – no, I'm not sorry that we have opinions on this. I take that back. I'm not no. sorry that we have opinions on this. I would say for me, from Rob's point of view, I would find it exceptionally challenging as a storyteller to try and do that properly and to give it the credence that it deserves. Yeah. I mean I if, if I'm going to play devil's advocate, I'm, I'm going to say that I think there's, there's an opportunity to explore deeper into a property that everybody loves and is familiar with. It – take some pressure off of you to have to come up with characters and lore and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. You can literally just hand someone the box set and say, here, watch that. That's the world book. Right. Um, and very much like, I suppose, fan fiction. You know, it's, it's a bit like it's a bit like writing live fanfic, but that's about the best I can give it. You know how many people, when you say the word, oh, it's a fanfic, make that cat face? Like they you're, just smell something. You're making that, the cat yeah. face right now. Yeah, it, I just hit it. I'm like, uh. Rob is making stinky face. I kind of yeah. want to like take Fanfic a st- is very personal. Yeah. I think that's the key is that fanfic is very personal. I think when you turn fanfic into a role-playing session, there's some, you're going to run into risks. Yeah. So yeah. let's leave it there. Okay. You want to do technologist question next? Yeah, sure. All right. Uh, oh, wait. Are we – We'll do the other one in a second. I just wanted to pass it back and I know you had a huge chunk on this one. Sure. Sure. OK. Uh, so Technolich asked us, who is your favorite character that has been at your table? Not my character. Correct. Not something you created. Um, what made that character memorable or special for you? Hmm. Uh, so I had to think a lot about this one. When we're talking about a lot of gaming history and a lot of games. Um and there were a lot of good memories from those games, a lot of good characters in those games. Mm-hmm. Um, I am going to give this one collectively to my entire adventure group. Oh, man. Good choice. Uh, adventure, Tales of the Aeon Society, the pulp action 1920s. You said that wrong. No, no. Go. Adventure, Tales go. of the Aeon Society. <laughs> I love when... Listed in alphabetical order. <laughs> yes. Yes. Uh, so... Uh, I'm going to give it to my entire adventure group. Um, Short-lived as they were because I was going through some stuff in my life at that point and could not continue running the game. But mark my words, we will continue that game someday. We, are, we aren't dead yet. And they get, we, 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 we can get back to that. Yes, we can, we can absolutely get back to that. But uh, to, to further answer the question why uh, and who these characters were, um, so adventure is a pulp action game right. uh, it, it pulp is really about taking those kind of stereotypes those tropes and kind of blowing them up to be something that's a little larger than life a little fantastic and a in, little... in a time period not off of like dick tracy the rocketeer oh those are i mean yeah those, yeah. Are, those are all pulp exactly know? just trying uh, to help people who who may not know sure sure yeah, yeah the rocketeer uh the phantom the shadow uh sky captain the world of tomorrow sky captain the world of tomorrow was amazing pulp um, yeah you know what to a degree uh the early the captain american america uh, first, yeah, like yeah, his yeah. his history. The, 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 the um, first Avenger was a bit pulpy, and um, uh, 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 same with uh, Wonder Woman. C- 
kind of had some pulp characters to it. Yep. You know, where you, yep. you've got these larger than life personalities that wrap the character. You mm-hmm. know, you know, you, you want your villains to, to maniacally laugh. Knox in a box is shouting at his podcast right now, podcast player right now, uh, to mention Doc Savage. There you I'm go. Sure. Doc Savage. I think that's uh, yeah. a perfect thing. So, um, so when when I said uh, we were going to be playing adventure, yeah, um, and I asked all my players to create characters for me, I was a little I was a little worried that they wouldn't grasp what pulp is and what the essence of it is. And uh, Rob's wife Vicky came to me and said, um, "I want to base my character off of this real life um, person." And for the life of me, I am not remembering who that real life person is. Sorry. She is screaming at home right the now. Matahari? Uh yes yes the the uh, a sexy spy basically yes, who's yes. also like a she film was like a, star like a, like a movie star yep. but also a spy mm-hmm. um and I was like okay okay she's like it's based off a real character I said all right all right and she goes and her name is Gracie Demure <laughs> and I was like oh my god you got it and like I shed a tear and I'm like this is the most beautiful thing I've ever heard Gracie You're, Demure Gracie you named your character Gracie Demure that is that's amazing. And out of that game, we got Gracie Demure. We got uh, Dr. Lawrence Critcher, who is a cryptozoologist. Yeah, cr- Critcher is in Creature. Yes, uh, who had a, uh, a, a, a a Yeti companion. It was yes. a pet Yeti. Correct. It was a companion. It was a butler. Right. He kind of had a, a Yeti butler going on. Uh, we had the, uh, the, the, the barnstormer, Ela Mae Hawkins, the oh, ace man. pilot. Now, what was cool is she could pilot Anything. Anything like a rickshaw down a street that was literally rolling one wheel, she would be able to figure out how to make that work. But that biplane, oh, she, was she was a surgeon with a biplane. Yeah, uh, sh- your character Seamus Finnegan, oh, yeah. uh, who was the most stereotypical Irish bruiser. The, the term is pikey, even. And yeah, it's exactly. terrible to say it that way, but it's the truth. Uh, we had Jing Li Zai, the Jade Dragon Princess. I mean, it was. All of these characters, I, and I was kind of going through. I'm like, oh, I'm sure Gracie was my favorite. And I'm like, ah, oh, but Lock, Dr. Lawrence Critcher was great. Like, ah, mm-hmm. oh, but Ela Mae Hawkins was great. But like, ah, oh, but Seamus, fin- you know. And I'm like, you know what? No, it's it's all of them. It was that entire game. Yeah, I mean, it's in it's things like that that help remind you mm-hmm. of not only a system and a play style and a yeah. setting. It pulls it all together. You know, it is a book in itself in your mind. Exactly. And, exactly. Uh, so yeah, I would I would say that for me the most memorable character. It's hard because um, I have run quite a few games and I've connected with a ton of players on a lot of different levels. Um, Damn, that was a tough one, right? It is really tough for me because I didn't take as much time to think about this one nearly. Um, so I, I may revise this over many many podcasts. Um, we're just going to keep this question on the list. But I, if, I, if I go with a group, because you did a group, sure, okay. I would say it was my Children of Heroes game that I ran. Yeah. I loved and – and those again, those were the characters that I pre-gened up to a point. Yep. And then you guys took off. Yep. And I ended up with brilliant kids. Mm-hmm. I mean it was, it was Harry Potter-esque in the sense that you were all kids running around a little school. Um, you know, but at the same time, you were the children – of heroes like they had made their money they had made their mark they had started their retirement and they're like my kid is going to have a good life but not all of you knew that your parents were heroes some of you just knew them some of you didn't know them at all Mm -hmm. i knew who all your parents were in the background 
but you didn't. You didn't know how you got there. I still uh, have no clue. Exactly, exactly. And I found that as we went through that story, I didn't think that it was necessary. Yeah. To, to expose that part. It wasn't an important thing. Mm-hmm. And we just kept rolling with it. So what, it was what your lives created that made it. And it was beautiful watching you guys grow up basically. And there's a specific scene that I'm going to come back to. That's actually Sarah's scene uh, that uh, we had just finished an encounter where the kids had to rescue some of their classmates and other individuals from basically kobolds effectively. Now, keeping in mind that in 7C, for those of you who don't know the setting, um, monsters are not really a thing. Like they exist, but it's not like D&D where it it's is, just like, oh, look, marauding orcs. Right. It is Must more be like it – is, it is more to the sense that they are they are things of myth. And legend in some countries, myths and legends do come alive, specifically in countries like Germany, where they're like, don't go into the dark woods or the red cap will kill you. And he is a thing. You know, they told their children, don't go out there or witches will literally sneak you into their home with sweets and then cook you. And these things exist in the Seven Sea World. Mm-hmm. So when these monsters showed up on the edge of town, it was meaningful. And so they were like, oh, crap, these things are here. Now, what was interesting was is that somebody had made a deal with her character and said, if you can get me some of their blood uh, and things, I, I I would trade for something you wanted. It was a specific gland. Because Correct. It was, it was a perfume that I was trading. It was an expensive perfume. Correct. Because you, you really wanted that perfume. And so this little girl shows up late one night – with the head of, I want to say, two or three in a sack. Something like that. And it, might, it might have only been one, but yeah, regardless, you were severed co- head in yeah, a bag. You were covered in blood from head to toe from the fight and hacking these things' heads off. And like like literally stone-faced, walked in, set the bag on the counter. The guy doesn't even make eye contact with you. Literally just turns around, carefully packs up the box in a nice package wrap, hands it to you, and you just coldly walk out the door and back to the school without saying a word. All I could think of was that toll walk back. Your feet <laughs> walking on the cobblestones was the only thing that could be heard through that whole damn city. <laughs> Shutters just closing Exactly, Exactly. Because nobody was like, there was no, oh, little girl, you, no. Nope, nope, nope. That's you, that person went right back in their house. Like dogs cowered away from you because the smell of the blood of the kobolds on you. I mean, literally, it changed you. Mm-hmm. It changed you as a person. And many, many years later, that character is still kind of suffering effects from such a grisly act. It it it, it just it scarred you. So I I will have to say I I do love those characters and I loved that scene in particular. It stays with me, and it's it was beautiful. It was absolutely beautiful. All right, I think we have one more question, right? Yeah, Mad Mad Elf asked, uh, how do you go about introducing new players into an existing campaign? Uh, Um, With great care. Yes. And I say that there's a couple – I'd say there's a couple steps to this that run through my head real quick and that is they have to connect with the other players in a hook way. Mm -hmm. They have to be able to be meaningful to your plot as well and – I think the easiest way that you can do that, number one, is communication. And number two is think about them as a as adding an NPC to your story. Why are they there? Why do the players care about this thing? What makes it significant? And sometimes that's a matter of weaving their backstory into this into the game. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's a matter of 
making it meaningful for the players to need that person. And you have to step away from the obvious things like, oh, this person's your new leader. Like some players will just be like, I ain't going to follow this guy. Mm -hmm. You know, but part of it, the other part of it is looking at your players and saying, hey, as a group, I'm thinking about adding this new person. And for them going, yeah, we totally want to play with somebody. Let's bring them right in. And then let, you know, work with that a little bit. You need to have that energy. You just don't want to drop somebody into a game. Yeah, that's actually a really great point. Um, is that you're not you're not just adding a character, but you're also adding a player. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you've, I mean, step one: make sure that that player is cool to be sitting at your table. Yeah, you know, uh, make sure that your other players are okay with them being added to the group. They're just as much a part of the game as as you are. Exactly. Um, and uh, you know, so like we had. Uh, We've added what two new players since we first started. Playing. Yeah, wow. Um, in yeah. fact, in fact, the Mad Elf is one of them. Yes, yes. Um, and uh, with both players, I mean, and we're talking; these are good friends of ours. Yeah, out of out of game. Right. Uh, I mean, they're, they're they're close friends. We we love them like family. Uh, but I still had that discussion with mm-hmm. the player group, going, "Okay, this person is going to make number six. Is that too big?" Right. Are are we already stretched too thin? Mm-hmm. As, and we we had an honest goodness discussion of like, well, no, we we would really like this person in our group, mm-hmm. in spite of the fact that we understand that six is an unwieldy number to do as a as a as a, as a group. We were we are willing to take that you know that that burden on that we understand that combat's going to take longer, mm-hmm. our P is going to take longer. There's going to be that much much more plot that has to get added in, right? Et cetera. Um, for the game, but we're willing to take that hit to have this person with us. Okay, good talk. Yeah. I thought that's what you were all going to say, yeah. but we still had that discussion. Yeah, even after the years of it. So exactly. So yeah. Um. So and then when you when you add the the the, the character in, I think it's important to start right off the bat, regardless of what the situation is. Give that character their own bit of plot Mm -hmm. okay so for instance when we did add the mad elf's character into my game um i began the scene with him exclusively not even Mm -hmm. the group or Mm -hmm. anything like that not even introducing him to the group but just you walk into the guild hall yeah here's what happens you talk to the guild leader she shows you around she says you know, she talks to you about your your bits of magical expertise um you get introduced to this npc and that NPC, and you have these conversations. Mm-hmm. And then she says, oh, look, here come two other PCs that I believe you'll be working with. Right. And I introduced him to two of the other PCs that were part of the Mages Guild, and we went from there. Yeah, like a good TV show. Right. You're you're framing the important person as they're moving through and then connecting them to the story. But But not only that, though, you're – it helps to make that player feel important and involved 100%. with the scene. Uh, because if you just walk in and go like, OK, so, hey, player characters who are all here and established in the story and all have their own importance and stuff like that, uh, the newbie shows up. So anyways, what are you guys going to do? Right. You know, that, that newbie really feels like, oh, uh, hey, guys. I have now, green eyes. <laughs> right. And now it's up to them to kind of interject themselves no. and kind of like weave themselves into the story. And I think it's a really crappy thing to do to a player. Yeah. You know, give them their own bit of plot, reel them into the story, and and then hand it over to the PCs who have had five other game sessions before that to do their own stuff. They can spare 
20 minutes yeah for for your new player all right well i hope because we just got our two minute warning uh that that was enough of an answer for you uh mad elf and for techno lich uh next week's topic Mm -hmm. is going to be on table etiquette uh, or what D and D and some of us call herding cats. Uh, so we'll talk a little bit about that. Uh, remember that you can find us on uh, Twitter at st underscore conclave, Instagram st underscore conclave, and Discord. Please join the link in our Twitter feed and come ask questions, submit stuff, and uh, talk about the show. Oh, and now you can also find us on Patreon. That's patreon.com slash storyteller conclave, and that's all one word together storyteller conclave. Uh, speaking of Patreon, I would like to give a big shout out to our Patreon members, uh, Eric and Ela May. Named after, actually, the exact same Ela May Hawkins. That's right. Uh, it's the, the exact person in real life. Uh, thank you so much uh, for supporting the show. Uh, you're definitely keeping this thing going. And yep. We hope to hope to make more great content for you. Our intro music is Beyond the Warriors by Gooey Frog. Our outro music, which you're hearing in the background, is Footprints in the Sand by Midair Machine, both from freemusicarchive.org. We're done at podcastdetroit.com. You can find them at podcastdetroit on Twitter. Our engineer is Kate. And we'd love to thank our families, Vicky and Sean, all of our friends who play 7C and D&D with us. Enjoy your evening. We love you. Good night. Good night.